when I observe something, I check it. Is this true? Can I verify it? Uh, and I think that's extraordinarily important. Otherwise, so easy to go into a fantasy world. Welcome back to Mind Matters, everyone. I'm Harrison Cayley. Joining me is Elon Martin. And today we are pleased to have back for his third appearance on Mind Matters, Alan Francis of the International School of the Fourth Way. So we've had Alan on twice in the past few years, and this is our third talk. In our last couple talks, we we focused a lot on the, as Alan put it, uh, the outer reflection, the outer world is a reflection of the inner world. And we're going to be focusing more on the inner world today. So with that said, um, welcome back, Alan. Um, it's great to have you back. Well, I sure appreciate that, uh, that I'm back on your program. It's certainly uh, nice to be involved with an intelligent uh, uh, look at uh, Gurdjieff work and, and the inner world. Uh, what I thought is that we have uh, somewhat before focused on uh, the reflection of our inner psychological and inner energetic states in the world around us. And I, that's an interesting topic, uh, but I think we've, we've gone quite far in that. And now I'd like to turn our discussion to something more esoteric, something to do with what's called the inner world of man. And uh, if, I, uh, if it becomes uh, too esoteric, please say so, okay. <laughs> and we will, we will back off a little bit. Uh, currently, just to give you the, the situation, uh, I had uh, several strokes, as you know, uh, before the last interview, uh, not too much impairment of my intellect. Mostly it's all motor neurons. And surprisingly, I came uh, to Spain uh, about 10 days ago and uh, was very debilitated. Uh, but the fact of, of this, what Gurdjieff, of course, speaks about is the only thing in Beelzebub, the only thing that can kind of wake us up to to what's going on to to our lives. Uh, I'm right now in the middle of that uh, uh, situation. So that's the kind of context right now. And I'm trying to, I'm trying really to uh, get a higher sort of deeper uh, insight into myself, into the work, uh, into the brain itself, as we talked about last time, mm -hmm. which the brain is this, uh, well, the physical brain, physiological brain, is this incredible uh, uh, medium between the mind and the physical body and physical world. So to study this, and Gurdjieff, of course, almost doesn't say anything about the brain as, as a sort of separate unit. 
So I wanted to get into this a little bit and uh, uh, see what you have to think about it. Uh, what I'd like to state is that in our work, there are different levels, and it starts in as a cosmological idea that uh, we have we have found this uh, uh, together. We have found this movement down through the ray of creation, down through the tree of life, if you like. And as we go down, we end up at the base of things, and that is. Of course, not very intelligent whatsoever. We call it World 96 and connected with the idea of our moon. So here we are, and we're suddenly at that turnaround point between the involution or between the downward movement of everything in the cosmos to the lowest level and this beginning of an evolutionary movement. And that evolutionary movement, uh, I would say, is so interesting that there is a kind of uh, idea of the prodigal son, right? He's in with the pigs. <laughs> He's at the slow level. He's in the ignorance. And then he suddenly starts to, in the very, I would say, uh, smallest flashes of, of awakening uh, begin to occur. And at that level, we call this the development of personality. Personality, of course, meaning mask in, in Latin. Personality being uh, not the organic essence, but rather something lower than that. But, and this is not clear in the Search of the Miraculous, I think, and, and, and the work, it, it is uh, an organic, still hybrid between this kind of place of illusion, uh, this kind of place of, of ignorance, and this beginning place of who I really am. That is who I essentially am as a human being. So this part, and again, I don't think it's clarified in our Gurdjieff work well, this part is as if this child, which is the moon, right? This child suddenly is, is going, starting to grow. And it grows in what we call a whole octave of possibilities. This uh, begins with what's called magnetic center. Now, this magnetic center is a kind of compass that, that inwardly, instinctively, tells us we can go not in the direction of the lower absolute, but in the direction of the sun absolute. We can, we can rise up, and this is a psychological process and an energetic process put together. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to just go a little bit through this, and then, then I'll let you. Uh, okay. So there's a sequence of possible events where personality it is is being uh, influenced by this compass in, inside of us, magnetic center. And this magnetic center draws us to inner teachings. So 
first, it may be what we call B influences. So it's things like looking at the painting of Leonardo da Vinci, for example. That's a higher influence in the matter form of art. It could be certain music and so on. But something begins to draw us in this direction, and, and we're almost like the fool in the tarot. You know, we're walking somehow. How do we get there? We don't know, but we're following something inside. And this is, as, as I said, instead of being totally separate as it appears in search, uh, it is a hybrid. It must contain elements of the mother, the earth, the essence in it. Otherwise, of course, there would be no reason for it to go in, in this direction. So now you have a line of movement developing personality. And what is the voice of personality? Do I know that voice? And of course, false personality, which, which is false. We won't get into that now. So here we have this development of personality slowly into what's called Deputy steward. Okay, what is that? Well, that is the beginning of the ability to affect your behavior in correspondence to the magnetic center's sense of what is true, the true north. So now I begin to grow and I have this little bit of, you might even call it will, right? And Deputy Stewart, for example, and the steward that comes next, they begin to organize your life a little bit. How much? I don't know because I don't have much will, but it's a beginning process. And so here's this line of movement. And at the same time, there's the beginning of reawakening of essence, which is the mother, right? The the, the female deity in you. Now, where do these begin, these two parallel related efforts, where do they begin to integrate? So where does personality and essence begin really to work together? And this is a reversal because pers personality is the active part. It's strong. We can see it in ourselves if we begin to try to go to uh, esoteric teachings. Well, how do we go? We go almost all through the head, brain, and philosophy, and so on. Very important. But now we're coming to something else. And Tolstoy said, uh, "You, you hear my words, but not my feelings." So here we're, we're joining these two. We see the value of personality, but now we see that without essence, it's nothing. There's nothing. Without the mother, there's nothing. So we begin to say, how can we include essence? And since essence is a child, right? It's, it's reawakening as a six-year-old, seven-year-old, we have to find a way to nurture essence so it grows. So the child grows into a uh, man and woman. And in that, just like it happens with parents and children and stuff, there's a reversal so that the child, the essence, becomes active. 
So this is psychologically, this dynamic is so important in our work. Now it's become dynamic and I'm, I'm trying to go and say, what's next? So let me say, just go back a little bit and say, there's a movement from the moon, which we talk about, and below that is Do to Ray, the moon, Ray the queen, uh, Do, Ray, me, so it's an octave. And at me, it's the earth, which is the beginning of essence, the sort of the crude parts, the, the body uh, in a very simple way. And then it goes through this interval, me, fa, soul, and it jumps into organic life, what we call one brain and two brain beings. So now we have being, we have feeling, we have sensation, and it's all there. And we have this new interval between fa, sol, and la, the next note in the octave. And that is the amazing creation of what we call the intellect in human beings. So that, that brings us to this three-centeredness, maybe, the possibility, I say, potential. And so now we're there, and we're right at the edge of higher being. That's right where, where it starts. So now, right at this moment, I have the possibility of creating what we call an astral body the first of the higher bodies. And that's that C, uh, S-I. Do I begin to hear these different voices in me? These different influences in me? One influence, as we spoke about, is, is the influence of Maya, illusion, the lowest influence. Another influence is the influence of personality, as I say, if it evolves, it's like the, the intellect in a way, right? It's thinking about who am I and what could I be? And then comes the, the, the coming into what I've been born with, myself, which includes my body. And, and astrologically, of course, we're, we're, we're looking at this uh, incredible movement that, of course, first came down, but now is coming back up the evolutionary scale. So here I look and I see and I can I hear this voice that is pulling me opposite of the sirens, right, is pulling me in the direction of evolution. Do I hear that? Am I drawn to that? And that goes from C, which is uh, what we call this uh, first higher body, the astral body, into Do, which, which is the solar body. So here, and I've always loved this cartoon they have like in, in the Hopis, where there's a little guy, son, right? And he's a walker. Start that. Start the cartoon again. We missed the. We missed the description of the. Well, it's just. 
It's just that there is this cartoon-like being in the ancient Anasazi and Hopi tradition where there is a round figure that, that's shaped like the sun with those sun motif, and it has uh, its feet and it has its uh, legs and it has its head. And it's, it's moving through, of course, we have in various mythologies, the idea of the sun god moving through the sky. And uh, so we're looking for, and this is not the highest level, but we're looking for how can I get to this level of the sun? The higher levels, you know, in the starry world and everything like that uh, is, is, let's say, beyond us at the moment. So we're trying to find how to get to this level. But this level is very high. Maybe we meet uh, a Chagyam Trungpa or, or a, a, my teacher, uh, Lord Pentland or something that has reached this very high state. And we have that. We have that as our aim. We would like to be, but we know it's very, very difficult. So here is a kind of real basic uh, description, I would say, of what we're trying right now. Mm-hmm. Well, let me <clears throat> let me take a bunch of what you said and kind of um, just put it into my own words or relating it to some some other ideas, uh, some we mentioned last time, and uh, and we'll we'll just see where that where that goes because. Um, you mentioned the the personality as uh, like bringing it to the level of being a deputy steward, and yeah. that reminded me of that. There might be some overlap here. It reminded me of during our last discussion and when we were talking about neuroscience and uh, you know brain function and all that stuff. I mentioned the this book, um, yeah. the matter the matter with things by Ian McGilchrist, and his first book was called The Master and His Emissary, hmm. and the emissary. Or well, well, the way he relates this to the brain is that, of course, he he focuses a lot on brain lateralization, so different hemispheres of the brain, and typically, well, like very very briefly, the left hemisphere is kind of the it's kind of the autistic side of the brain that uh, looks every, at everything very logically. It takes it apart, it looks at the parts, it relates those parts together mechanically, and it can come up with entire streams of logic that are super logical, uh, hyper logical, but bear no bear no relation to reality necessarily. It's just uh, this kind of abstract creation, and you see this in a lot of um, kind of um, like it's it's kind of a, a caricature of the engineering mindset. And then on the other hand, you have the right hemisphere, which sees holes. It sees everything together, and it and it and it perceives reality directly, and it's, so that's kind of the reality testing is this right hemisphere yeah. and the left hemisphere. The left hemisphere, if left on its own, like if there's a if there's massive damage to the right hemisphere, or if someone is just very left here left hemisphere dominant for some reason, um, they won't be able to see those holes, and they might they might come up with this kind of super analytic philosophy or or be. Um, um, like you know, like some schizophrenics see everything in in this in this um, um, this hyper rational, like logically constructed world that from the outside seems totally illogical because it 
bears no resemblance to reality. And there's there are kind of leaps of logic that that to the to the to the schizophrenic, for instance, just seem seem totally real because uh, that's just what the left hemisphere does. So the the purpose of the the title of of Miguel Christ's first book, the Master uh, Master and His Emissary, is that. The, like the proper functioning is that the left hemisphere should be the emissary. It should be the one that is doing the master's bidding. Mm-hmm. And and when you're when you when you're seeing um, a, a holistic picture of of yourself in the world and you in the world because that is one whole, then the the function of the of the left left hemisphere is to serve that greater purpose. It is to use that logical analytic mindset in the service of. The master in the service of that wider picture. So that's kind of how I see the the role of of personality is that we we all have these kind of you know accretions of of stuff that aren't necessarily truly ourselves. But but that's kind of that that's the filter that we look at the world through. It's not like we can completely step out of ourselves. Then we we just we would be, I mean, if that were possible, we'd be thrown into, you know, what, what Gurdjieff calls the, the, this essence and this essence is undeveloped and with no personality that, you know, well, in that, in, in search of the miraculous, there's that, that bit where I can't remember the exact, the exact wording, but, um, Gurdjieff is basically talking about, it's the one where he hypnotize, where he's talking about hypnotizing a bunch of people and uh, into like a, a state of essence. And the one guy just wants like raspberry jam or something like that. Like exactly. there's, um, so there's, there's extremes. You can have like too much personality or just, or, or not enough personality. You, you need to have some kind of that, um, that, that individuality to, to work with. And that, that's kind of how I see the, the, that left hemisphere is that we, we need, um, we need something to kind of do the work of, of that, that, that kind of those fundamental operations of looking at the world, like putting it into language, um, thinking about it, but then that thinking needs to be tied to something, something greater. And I think that's what, what you're talking about here with that, that taste of essence. It's like that, that connection with things that are, that are true, that connection with, um, with that, that, that's something that is pulling us forward, pulling a lot, pulling us upward um, along this direction. So, so the way the, the way the world is structured, um, is, is it's very easy to just get, um, to take the path of least least resistance. And it's, you know, in, in esoteric terms, that would essentially be a path downward. We're actually like, we're devolving. We're not going anywhere. We're not, um, we're not serving our purpose. And an extreme example of that might, might be that example of the schizophrenic who creates this entire, um, entire world that has nothing to do with reality. Whereas the, the upward path would be to see reality and to see a wider (laughs) scope of reality and to see, to see that path laid out before us and to be able to follow the, follow that voice along that path. Um, well, I just wanted to throw that out there and see if that prompted any thoughts for you. Well, it does, and, and it begins, as we've been interested, in bringing together the physical functioning of the brain and its potential higher functioning. Mm-hmm. Now, on the left hemisphere, as you were indicating, there is this sense of a wholeness, but it's not grown, it's not mature. 
it is it is like essence as a child generally and so what we're trying to do is to is to bring up personality certainly in the beginning by nurturing it with ideas that that uh, they need in order to think who am i and where am i going and and it's like i'm being fed by the moon uh, excuse me by the earth all the time by the mother this is something i need to see and to see that this is something connected probably with this right side of my brain so i'm beginning to integrate these esoteric with exoteric or with physiological ideas which i think is mm-hmm. really really important now and then i'm beginning to see that there is actually a kind of series of clear steps that i don't see in the beginning when i when i'm sort of waking up in personality and stuff i don't see that and then i'm maybe touched by the fact that i don't feel yes i don't have this other side of the brain working and i begin to accept that and begin to nurture this new growth in me which is the child from from this process and how then can i make sure that this continues well in the grief work it continues because i begin to see that the development of real individuality or i comes from the growth of essence and the growth of essence is supported by personality so now these fragments of an unknown teaching as suspensky put are being put together in a way i don't think they've ever been put together so we're really interested then if through that if through that development of essence and the psychological ideas of that at the same time there's a development of a certain energy so the energy of the lower levels the moon and so on uh we call doesn't really matter that much uh hydrogen 96 and the vibrations coming up to hydrogen 48 in the earth and then it goes to 24 12 so that we begin we begin to have this experience the state of a higher energy and we begin to follow that it's like listening to angels or something we begin to follow that vibration and we make a decision and we begin to develop will and will is developed out of essence right it's developed through the body in the in the old symbology that gurjeev says was what's called that kalban there is a bull symbol this is interesting and that bull represents the human body and human labor you know it's solid uh, so in that i have will then the next animal which is interesting because he's choosing animals for this picture is the lion and the lion has this courage i have a courage to go ahead even though it's difficult very difficult to follow a path and then 
there's this new sort of possibility, which is represented by the eagle, by this ability to fly in the uh, ideas, in the uh, mind. Uh, and right then, there's such a strange image because where you would expect as you're going up in through the physical body of this three-brained animal, you expect something uh, different. You see amber. Well, what the hell is amber doing there? Right? Mm -hmm. What is amber? And it's clear that if we've studied the, uh, what is it? It is, it is, first of all, it is, it is a something that easily creates a kind of electrical friction like this. It's, it's a power, it's a friction. And it also is a filter as well and a preserver. Amber is just an incredible organic deposit which has these strange properties and still is organic. And, and at the throat, at the thyroid, he doesn't talk about the thyroid chakra, thyroid gland, and many things he leaves out intentionally for us to discover. So if you've studied the thyroid gland and its effect, for example, on controlling the heat and cold in the body, big, big thing, basic cellular metabolism, then you say, wow, how is this related to this microcosmos in us and also to the general functioning of our body? So he's pointed things for us to research, to find out. Now, right at there, again, a tremendous shock if you, if, if you visualize it. Right then, this animal that has this throat which is amber, and then instead of a head, it has the breasts of a virgin. So he said this was an actual statue, and in Atlantis, people would come and see. So it must have scared the hell out of people or whatever, because it's so strange. And what is breast of a virgin? See, what is the, what does it evoke in me? Well, it evokes something to do with love. This is a very, we just talked about in my book, the first uh, page is one Corinthians, and, and the idea that love is so important that without love, all these psychic things that you might find are useless. Everything that like that is useless. And so where are we going with this? We're going up through this process towards the sun level, the level of the sun. And so now we have this very strange image, but it's telling us that love is so important that we have to place it on top of what he calls conscience. So here's this symbol is a symbol, he says, of conscience, which is so different than our usual moral nonsense about what conscience is and, you know, and having various kinds of reactions and, and, and 
so on. This is something uh, real. Right then, you think about this, and on the other side of this equation, uh, Belzebub is finally gone uh, through all his life difficulties, his, his own extraordinary uh, uh, difficulties, where he's helped God, let's say, uh, in dealing with animal sacrifice, which is a whole another subject, because we have these animals in us, two-brained beings. So this outer reflection of animal sacrifice is connected with the inner psychological sacrifice of our body and our feeling uh, to our, you know, like you say, head brain, which has become mostly psychotic in us. Mm -hmm. So here, though, Beelzebub is evolving, is growing. And what is the final outcome of this growth? Not to say it's the only thing, but what's the final outcome? He's growing horns. Now, horns, of course, in you know, in shamanic uh, things, is a representative of higher wisdom, higher, higher wisdom, higher reason. And so he's saying this higher reason is as important, and they're 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 both love and reason are the king and queen of our potential evolution. And they must, as we know, feminine and, and masculine must eventually find a new integration in us. Mm -hmm. So this Sophia wisdom and this reason is something that I think is very important because there's a tendency when you think of the brain, which you're talking about, uh, how the right brain is is uh, not very smart, you might say, or it's the other intellectually, way the other way. Yeah. intellectually sometimes like modern intellects and modern technology. Mm -hmm. But here we're saying that int real intelligence is wisdom. And you have to separate that from ordinary rational processes and say, okay, that's a limit over here, the monkey mind, you might call it in various ways. And here we say, no, the real intelligence and the real love are unlimited for us. So I'm coming more and more to this uh, viewpoint than I had before, even recently. Hmm. Uh, so go ahead, please. Well, well, oh, I'd like to. Um, you said so much just now, Alan, and so much of what you said, like, began to, you know, anticipate my next questions, and then you'd sort of answer it, uh, which is nice. Um, in my in my own understanding, uh, the process of uh, growth and development through this personality that we're developing, the personality being this uh, vehicle or interface uh, between our essence and the world, right. um, is, is something that we uh, employ and um, direct as consciously as possible in order to 
uh, feed ourselves, uh, feed that part of ourselves that is um, most wise and most capable uh, of of giving love, receiving love, um, and I, I'm I'm working on in listening to you, thinking about all of the uh, the the conscious ways I, because so much of this can be an unconscious process, I think, where we don't necessarily have or know what direction we're going towards, or even whether or not we've um, been able to assimilate some higher energy or, or something that has uh, given us a, a greater ability to evolve. Um, but really it, it all, it all deals, um, it's all understood through awareness and through cognitive processes that, um, like you said earlier, you know, you, you're, you're attaining information and knowledge in, in certain things and assimilating it. And um, in thinking about that, I was wondering uh, if you might elaborate more on what the experience is of doing that. Um, for myself, you know, reading some bit of wisdom or or noticing how someone expresses wisdom or love in in what they do and what they say uh, has has helped me um, in follow you know following that uh, path of growth that I would like to have. Um, you know, there have also been moments of just journaling where I come uh, upon a little epiphany about my, you know, my mind and and how I think and and that I can think and that I can have ideas and and that the ideas don't necessarily have me, but I can have them. There is a separation. Uh, but for yourself, I I've wondered. Um, in listening to you just now, how how this uh, development um, has been experienced or affirmed uh, within you, such that you're able to say, you know, this may be all theoretical on some level. We're reading Gurdjieff, but but I know it in my being. I know it in my experience, and and therefore it's the reason why I continue. Um, with these lines of thought, with this cosmology, with this, uh, with this process that I'm already on, I, I wonder if there are any specific experiences or understandings you have that say to you, um, yes, this is uh, as much as possible anyway. Um, the reason why I'm. I am on this path, uh, confirmations or uh, realizations in doing something or reading something that have given you that um, that confirmation. I hope that's clear. Yeah, that question. Well, you know, it's it's a deepening of the question for for all of us, I think, and to to say, for example that I have a kind of uh, 
I have a kind of inner compass you were talking about from the beginning, uh, something that draws me uh, forward to uh, true north, if you like. And this is, of course, an idea that is connected with personality, this idea. Now, with that, in connection with that, there's another part that that is uh, intuitive, right? I'm, I'm, and and in life, I see. Uh, does this have validity? Let's take, for example, I, I meet somebody, and intuitively, I feel that that they are a good person for me or whatever. And I follow that, right? I, I try to see, is this true? So I try to see if it's validated, whether it's a piece of, of real data about my inner life or my outer life. Or is this person a con artist, for example? So I begin to learn how to suss that out, as the British would say. And in something like, which is really very helpful, the Enneagram, that the Enneagram gives me a, a method, you might say, connected with personality that can lead to essence and higher things. But first, it's in personality. You have to recognize it. And as I was saying, every part of me has a kind of voice. What am I listening to? Do I know, as you were talking about, do I know I'm listening to personality, not a bad thing, but I know its voice. I know how it approaches things. And then I look at essence and I see, wow, this is a very different approach to reality. And it becomes closer to the development of I. Now, if, for example, for many, many years, I've been interested in the inner alchemy of states. That's, as Gurdjieff talks about, Hamblad about uh, higher bodies. This was his main interest as it happens. We both, I share that interest as a central interest for my life, 50 years. And what do I find when I pursue that? Let's say I began in, in a, very compromised state because I think I told you about my brain uh, when I died as a baby. Apparently, the uh, didn't develop. I had felt no pain. I had terrible balance. Uh, I was disoriented in the sense. And gradually, I found how to come to uh, uh, develop that part of my brain. Uh, bouncing a ball against a step, for example, something ridiculous. And uh, did that help? Did that simple thing help? Yes, it did. So I could see my coordination getting better, for example. And and so that was a validity of this small, ten little fact. Then I began to do other things. And for example, uh, I started Tai Chi Chuan. Now, it's said that Tai Chi Chuan is going to help your attention, your mind-body relation. Did it? Yes, it did. 
for years. It strengthened that possibility in me. So here's a check on reality. Am I, am I going in the direction that I think I am and that other, you know, masters have said I would? Does it check out or not? And this is also the left and right brain. All these things we're doing, I, I, I take an intuitive way, right, approaching things and an objective, trying to be an objective scientist in, in relationship. So I have the combination of these knowledges that are working together, and I can see, is this true? I've gone up to this point. Is this true? Now, in relation to inner alchemy and the development of higher bodies, this becomes, for me, the sort of center of, of my interest uh, and how much time do I have left, literally, to develop these things. So I think that you're absolutely right in, in, in when I observe something, and this is part of Gajif work and the, and the groups and everything. When I observe something, I check it. Is this true? Can I verify it? Uh, and I think that's extraordinarily important. Otherwise, so easy to go into a fantasy world. And we know that a lot of these new age teachers, they're in fantasy. Uh, and Gurdjieff says that Kundalini is completely fantasy and which Pantanjali agrees with. So we're, we're, we're trying to understand and for ourselves, Mr. Gurdjieff says, don't believe me. Check it, check it, see if it's true. And I've checked in certain areas. There's large areas I haven't checked, I don't know about. I'm not an artist, a non-musician. But in this area, I've checked it fairly thoroughly over 50 years. And I see that, yes, these are facts. These are based on certain data. These are facts that I can rely on. And it's possible to then follow the process of moving up through the levels of the astral and the solar bodies. It's possible. And in Taoist yoga, Taoist alchemy, very clear. And then strangely, very clear and almost the same in Gurdjieff's view. So, like I say, wow, that's great. That's amazing. But can I verify it? And I found so far, I have. Mm -hmm. I want to, I want to, based on what you just said, I want to go back to one of your, one of the first things that you said about this kind of, um, this path, this direction. So you said, you know, at the, at the beginning, there's this magnetic center, it's this inner compass, and we might find, or, or one might find himself, um, like, attracted to certain certain things it's almost like um vision like you're you you're looking out at your field of vision and something stands out and so for some reason these these sources might stand out it might be you know a, a certain spiritual book or or something and it, and it attracts your interest and you become you, you become fascinated by it and and it's that's like one of those first steps on this journey and then, but as you say, that's just the beginning, and there are so many 
stages after that. And um, so I want to kind of go through, maybe out of order, but just some of the some of the steps that kind of proceed from that. Because just if if you if that's where if that's where you are and you find yourself attracted to um, certain materials, certain ideas, and then I think part of the kind of part of the illusion, part of getting trapped in Maya is to, is to think, well, that's the, that's the end. I've found, I found the answers. And, and, and I think that's related to a lot of the new, new age ideas and the new age kind of groups is that they, they, they might, the, the groups themselves or the individuals within them might say, okay, well now I've found, I found it. And that's, and that's kind of it. And you I, see this kind of attitude a lot also with, um, let's say like the, <clears throat> the psychedelic, drug experiencers or um, or someone that's kind of chasing a, a religious experience almost as if it's a drug and then that in itself is kind of this this illusion because it, it, it there's this this sense that you've you've found the you know the, the the rainbow at the end of the at the end of the path when when really that's that's only a, a beginning a beginning stage and I think one of the one of the important points one of the important like way stations or or way marks along this path is that is to well it, it's it's self-knowledge it's it's to to basically see the the falsity of one's well the falsity of one's personality and that that is a, a roadblock a roadblock for many people is that they um and and it requires it requires um like maybe that that friction applied to that that the amber facilitates is that that friction to say to, to, like it can be, it, I'll give an example. It can be someone who talks too much, for instance, someone who's always like interrupting and who just rambles on and talks. Uh, you know, may, maybe I'm guilty of that sometimes. And but who then, when confronted with that fact, denies it or just continues to continues to talk too much. And well, Gurdjieff gave some great examples uh, of this being a, a chief feature. So you confront someone with their chief feature, which is a, a part of their 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 personality their 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 entire person that that is let's let's say a, like a char- it could be a character flaw but when when confronted with it they react with that trait so it could be they always have to ha- have the, the last word and then when if if you say oh well you know you always have to have the last word and then that person will try to have the last word about that about that conversation within that conversation or they might ramble on and that it, it's so simple just being confronted with an aspect of oneself that you can't see that is uncomfortable to admit to oneself but if you place yourself in an environment where that feedback is given and i think that's um an important part of kind of group work um in the gurdjieff setting uh, and tradition but not not only that it can be this this dynamic can happen in you know in other traditions but to to be able to place oneself in that in that position and then to be able to see those very basic very simple truths about oneself and one's character that then that in it that kind of breaks down that it, it starts the process of breaking down that personality and kind of um, the the ability then to kind of slough off or shed those those aspects of oneself that that are not only um, not only annoying for other people or the 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 things that that um, you know the things that people might say about you behind your back or roll their eyes at 
And so it not only creates a little bit of tension with the people that that you interact with, but it hinders yourself um, because you 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 can't you don't have knowledge of yourself. You can't see the way that you that you are with other people. So I think that. And that's like a never-ending process. Um, well, it's not necessarily never-ending, but it's a long process. And there's there's always aspects of oneself that we that we that we don't uh, that we don't see or, or that we're coming to see, and that we don't or that we don't necessarily have a clear vision of. But then we're as so in in this discussion today, you're talking about well, all of these different stages and the new kind of understandings that come, and so. You so so you mentioned that lately now you've been seeing this the importance of love and this binding of love or or wisdom and wisdom and reason and the mm. the importance of like the 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 of the, the this earth um, you know the earth nurtures us and all, all these different symbols and and um, yeah all these different symbols that we have for this this mystery this this something this ground of our being um so i guess i i want to to ask um how does this how does this realization of yours or this deepening understanding how would you apply this to or how would you relate this to to people at let's say different stages of, of development, like how, how should they incorporate this into their understanding of themselves and what they need to do? Maybe in a very practical sense. Like, I mean, you talked about, um, like, you know, Taoist inner alchemy, that's a very practical thing to get involved in, but, um, but ha yeah, how to, how to integrate that, um, you know, into the lives and understanding of, of people. Like how, how should we understand that? How should we, what should we take as, as your, um, your meaning, your suggestion for how to apply that in our lives, you know, today, or are there things that we need to do first? Um, like what would you say to just a general audience of people who might be listening at, at various stages of their own development in this process? Hmm. Big, big question. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of aspects yeah. to it. Uh, one thing is, is to separate in your observation. That is just not a general observation, but an observation. What leads me to awakening and what leads me into sleep? As Lord Pentland mm -hmm. said, mm -hmm. a principle of observation, which we may not have. We may just talk about looking at everything. In this principle, we begin, as I was saying, at this level of the moon in the sense of false personality or illusion. And at first, we can't separate these things. I mean, even our, our minds are not capable of teasing these apart. So you may begin to think and ponder about this, uh, for example, uh, am I a beneficial person? Am, am I generous? And like you say, people may laugh behind your back and you say, oh, yes, I'm a generous guy uh, or I'm peaceful guy. Or as one woman, uh, I remember uh, Lord Pentland was saying, uh, hey, 
she asked for advice from him. She wasn't in the work. And he said, well, I don't know you, uh, but don't yell. And she said, I grew up, you know, uh, properly. I, I, why would you say that to me? You know, I'm, I'm a proper uh, young woman. And uh, so what happened was she walks out of his office in New York. Immediately, she goes, taxi! <laughs> Completely blind to these parts of herself. And we are all. And we begin that way. And then we begin to say, are we like that at all? What are we? And I think it's such a, a big psychological question. It's not what I would call psychology, because psychology is the evolution of the soul, literally, how, it's, how it evolves. But it's in abnormal, let's say abnormal psychology. Hmm. And we begin to see that our basic sort of what we call our natural forces leading to development of essence, which is linked in the Bible to the, the grain, the whole kernel of grain. And it says, the guy says in there, he says, well, there's lots of weeds that's mixed in with these grains. And he even says, master, what happened? Did you, did you let, you know, did you plant? Did you, did you uh, let these weeds be there? And he says, nobody, he said, no, I, I didn't do it. Someone came at night and put these weeds in there. Well, we understand the symbology that is in the subconscious realm, which we don't see, most of us we don't see, rather than the ordinary consciousness, that he actually, uh, this, this what, chief feature, whatever, uh, this shadow, uh, put this in, and it's there. And he says, of course, well, let me take them out right now. That's how we are. And uh, the master says, no, because you may pull out good weed with it or good functioning with it. And this is something I just had a talk with a, one of my students who's a psychologist. And we were talking about how this is, this is really very subtle. I want to get rid of lies. I want to get rid of hypocrisy. I want to get rid of chief feature, but I can't just do it mm -hmm. because my psychological situation is much too complex. This is something really, I think, that Gurdjieff focused and understood and that yeah. probably wasn't uh, predominant, for example, during Christ's uh, life or Buddha, certainly, that it's new, that the complexity of this uh, terrible situation just increased since Jesus spoke about it in the Bible just got worse and worse. And one of the most interesting things, I think, in relation to chief feature is found if you read uh, Solomon, which we talked about, I think, before, if you read what happened with Solomon, where 
the Asmodeus, the representative of the devil, uh, takes over from Solomon, his kingdom, literally. So here you would say, well, of course, everybody could see this bad guy. No, this bad guy looked exactly like Solomon, talked exactly like Solomon, and everything about him, people thought this was Solomon, that he, he was the king, but he wasn't. And this is the truth about chief feature. Chief feature comes so close to us psychologically that we have an extremely difficult time to separate. It takes years and it takes the help of a teacher. It takes the help of a group, other people seeing these things in you to begin to tease these two things apart. But we're all in a hurry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We see something that's wrong with us. And Gurdjie says, don't try to change it. He said, study it. And then later, of course, if you develop will, like we talked about, then eventually you'll be able to change it, but not right away. So it's, it's really a powerful question, I think, you're asking how, how to uh, even, like Buddha, stop Maya, stop the illusion, and, and have the testimony, you might say, of the earth, of the grounding, these two things. And he just was able to do that. Can we do it? Can we look at what is illusionary in our thoughts, right, in our lives, and just say, stop? Well, along those lines, Alan, the so let's say we're experiencing thought loops or we have uh, a certain train of thought or a thought process that we know is not constructive and that we even uh, kind of know if we're being honest with ourselves is um, it's just wrong. You know, when, when we allow ourselves a moment to take a step back and look at it and look at our mood and, and our emotions and, and, uh, and assess it. And so, uh, connected to what you just said, I'm wondering if, um, because there are times, you know, I'm, I'm aware enough of myself that I'm saying this is unproductive or you've gone through, you know, this, uh, this feeling before and really there's no, uh, objective, um, grounding in it. It's just a, 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 a negative self-indulgence, if you will, or, or, uh, uh, or just not constructive thinking. So, and it's the um, voice of per first personality or false personality. So it's not yeah. the voice of essence. Okay. Yeah, and so you know, uh, under under such uh, circumstances, in that moment when I'm uh, self aware enough to realize that my my brain or my false personality. Um, or whatever you want to call it, is it's doing its own thing. The horses are running of, of their own accord. Um, what, you know, does one just continue to observe and sit back and be entertained by the, by the mind doing its thing? Or, or is there, you know, at some point, a, an effort made to, you know, in that moment, go, whoa, horsey, think... 
try and think of things a little differently right now using some, you know, metacognition and self-awareness. And uh, because you just mentioned that Gurdjieff would have us um, observe for the most part and not try and change very much, but to try and understand it and get the flavor of what it, what it looks and sounds like within one's own being or within one's own mind and thoughts. And so I guess um, part of my question would be, when is it most, um, if at all, uh, productive to, to take the, the reins, to become the master, to, um, to address those things that we see within ourselves that are uh, lower, um, that are not uh, uh, moving towards a, a, a larger sense of ourselves and a larger sense of a larger part of our own being? Yeah. Uh, it's a good question. Again, Mr. Grijeev gives us a big help in, for example, the development of the symbol, the Enneagram, and the idea that there's steps in the process. So one person might say, oh, Grijeev says, don't do anything. You can't do anything. You can only observe. No, that's the beginning of being a student, being able to uh, look at what's happening and you begin to see it and there i think a part of this one really has to be an artist yeah that is that is it's not like always i'm going to say you cut it off here cut it, but you feel it and you try things right you try in the beginning though you have, of course, a, a teacher in the work and you have the group and you begin listening to them at the same time as listening to yourself. And you might say, uh, for just to give you an example, you might say, oh, Mr. Kajif says there's something called formatory apparatus, which is the monkey mind in, in, in Orient. And this formatory apparatus cuts off my direct perception. It makes it, I can't do it. Well, the first thing, of course, is to say, is this true? Could I be present right now in this moment, have a relationship, for example, to my body, that it's, that it's here, like in Tai Chi, for example, that I'm present. And, and then I say, this is, this is, this is, so interesting. What if I try to be right there at the moment, right there at this moment now? And what would that do in relationship to this thing called formatory apparatus, which is a, a way in which uh, these impressions are turned from reality? and move towards the illusion that we're talking about. Now, formatory apparatus is a function in us, which is not bad. It's like a secretary, they say, okay? But instead of it allowing it to go to seeing, it takes that, for example, visual perception, and it, it grabs it, it wrenches it away from this possibility, 
of seeing and therefore evolving in the impression. And I say to myself, wow, this is, this is fascinating. Let me try to stop, as I was saying before, stop that just for a moment, just to see. And could I then be right here, right now? And through my eyes, I'm seeing, right? So here's my eyes, I'm looking out. But instead of looking out, I'm also looking in at the same moment, inner and outer worlds. And this impression begins to change. It moves through several vibration levels, hydrogen 48, the lowest. And interesting, that's the level of the central nervous system, hydrogen 48 which is not spoken about. So here's that beginning because it's the literal sensory impression. You know, how do I get, uh, how do I get this electrical impression into my eyes and so on? But then it can grow. It could change. Now I, I think that was interesting. Can I follow it further? And if I follow it further, Something amazing happens because it goes from hydrogen 48 to hydrogen 24. These are vibration levels to hydrogen 12. And hydrogen 12 is this real change between or any ordinary impressions uh, moving from form into this electrical level of energy. So instead of what you see now, which is your form, I'm seeing your form, I'm seeing your electrical body, or I'm seeing my electrical body from the inside. And that even can go deeper because it moves to the electrical level, which is the sun, and it can then move to the next level, which is what we call the Milky Way, where the stars are, where the X-rays are, and so on, a higher vibration level. And, and so now I've taken this chance to go into this, uh, what would be called uh, wonderland, you might say, and, and really experience something new. Now, back to your question, where is this time? And that is something that, that uh, is, as I say, partly artistic, uh, an intuitive sense of where is this time when I can try something? And where do I have to be patient? And uh, so you have to see for yourself. One thing I want to mention is, because it relates to your question, is that moving up in this scale, we find, for example, I'm a Sagittarius. Okay, does that fit? When I observe myself, do I see that there's a satur on one side of me and there's this uh, extraordinary wish to go to uh, the Milky Way or whatever. These two opposing forces that is spiritual materialism, it is spiritual warfare. Have I seen that warfare in me? Do I know it? It's part of knowing myself. And if so, 
how is the fact that one person, let's say, is uh, uh, from one sign and another another, and therefore they have what you were talking about, different books and things like that, might attract them. It, in uh, Gurdjieff work, it could be art. It could be uh, sculpture. It, it could be uh, pottery, like Kum in Egypt, you know, where, where he, God is raising man up through the clay. It can be music. It can be uh, any of the, we say, seven arts or so movements. Or we can go even further, and it could be one of the three. So you have the seven, the three. And the three represents the development of these inner bodies. So it's a higher level of introduction from the exoteric towards the esoteric. And then we know, for some reason, you love the color red or green or something. These are all planetary conditions, astral. But still, I need to know that. Am I hot? Am I cold? Etc. So very gradually, you learn about yourself and you make certain choices about, could I, could I apply what I know in such a way that let's say I've seen a thousand times a certain behavior? Uh, did you read Ivan Asokin? That book, Spensky's book, Ivan Sokin. No, well, that's that's uh, was was in uh, the movie. Uh, what's that movie uh, where that little animal comes back all the time in the movie? Groundhog uh, Day. Groundhog Day. Yeah, that was based upon this idea, mm -hmm. uh, and you have this possibility of learning something. Let's say you say you see the same thing a thousand times, and that's not an exaggeration. I see the same thing about myself a thousand times, and I say, enough. Enough. I don't have to go down that road anymore. I'm, I'm thinking that I'm a generous person, and everybody has shown me I'm a damn stingy son of a bitch. Right, I'm not going to go down that and and believe in that false uh, idea about myself anymore. And it's the same with everything. It's the same with addiction. All all these things are connected with addiction. Am I going to uh, follow that chronic behavioral process, which leads against my health? or against my mental, uh, psychological health, uh, or am I going to stop? And that, of course, is like the stopping of an addiction. It's a very big thing. Uh, am I willing to do that? Do I have the courage to do it? Read Ivan Sokin, because that's an interesting book about this idea of repetition and how you can gradually change that, gradually wake up and, and uh, change your life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and to put that in a in a nutshell, relating that back to the the weeds, it's like there 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 gets to be a point where you've you've seen you've been watching those weeds for years. You've got a pretty good idea of which are the healthy and which are the not and which which are the healthy ones and which aren't. And so it gets it gets there comes a time when you've got to pluck out some of those weeds. It's not that you're just going to always be observing them and never never changing them, right? It's sometimes you gotta Correct. you gotta grab it, yes. you gotta yank it out, right? Yeah, you've got to. And mm -hmm. for us, because uh, we're not uh, psychologically ignorant, we see that these have these powerful integrations uh, and our psychological state. Uh, is uh, so complex that we need something like the work. We need something like uh, a teacher uh, who's going to help us in that process. And if and if we get to the point where we we really understand that when we say I am right, when we take that and, and realize that we are so egoistic, uh, so vain, uh, then we're going to go wrong. You know you're going to go wrong. If you hear that voice in you, that's a false voice. I am right. So always be suspicious if you hear that voice. On the other hand, I need self-confidence. So you see, it's the razor's edge we're talking about that we're on. That's a very good way of putting it because, um, you know, on one hand, <clears throat> our personality requires a certain amount of confidence to do anything, to feel like we're competent enough to accomplish something. We have to have the belief to some degree um, so that we allow ourselves to engage and to uh, actualize ourselves further. On the other yes. hand, if we're not in the question uh, um, and of what it is we know and don't know, or whether or not we're even competent at something, if we don't have the humility to continue to ask, you know, is this my my personality, my false personality? Is this something of my essence? Am I doing this to uh, for self-aggrandizement, for um, a little ego boost, a little, uh, or is <clears throat> maybe there's a combination of the two uh, for things that we undertake, um, and and maybe you know maybe there are activities and and things we can engage in that really do um, help us grow our essence uh, in a in the way that it was meant to be grown and in a manner that it could only be uh, undertaken with humility and modesty and, and um, the sense of uh, purpose and meaning that that activity gives us to ourselves when we engage in it. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I don't know if I told you ever that story, I'll be brief. Uh, I went to see an old family friend. I didn't know him very well, older man. And uh, he said to me, what do you know about cars? Automobile mechanics. 
I said, well, I helped a friend of mine, you know, clean parts a little bit. He's a, he's a good mechanic. I, so I, a little bit. And he said, well, tell me about the electrical system of a car, how it works. I didn't really know. Uh, I tried to talk about the battery and, and everything. And a couple of minutes later, he's listening to me. And he looks at me and he says, Alan, shut up. And I was shocked, really. I was like 17. And he said, if you don't know what you're talking about, shut up. And I knew right away he was giving me a truth. He was giving me a help. Of course, I could have taken it negatively and say, screw you, you son of a bitch. You trapped me, <laughs> you know, but I didn't. Something in me said, this man is telling me something I need to hear. And I think that each of us has to have this part of us to talk to us as a kind of real uh a, a real balance between our illusion about ourselves and this this reality. So I was so grateful for this man to say that. And as I say, I was learning martial arts, and I know. So the other side of me could have easily, you know, been very, very angry. But in this case, I wasn't. And Gurjeev was par excellent in telling people this. Shut up, you know. So each of us, I think we have to take that in. And uh, I'm now, at this time in my life, I very much want to apply that principle to myself and to others. But I don't want to create such shocks in people that they leave the work. So a big question for myself is how to apply these shocks with the incredible increase of what we call sensitivity <laughs> in young people, uh, how to help them uh, but not coddle them. Is it even possible? Is it even possible? today that that we'll just have to see we will check out little by little and try to find a way to accelerate this work that we have uh, this gift that Gershif has gave and that is unfolding to understand that that it's not finished nothing's finished about it it's unfolding are we going to help that unfoldment? Are we going to see how to continue? Uh, again, this is very helpful to have the Enneagram. The Enneagram gives us a kind of approach to this. Uh, one is the sequential approach, like uh, if you were going to bake bread, we know these steps. Everybody knows how to break bread. They know that they have to have the right water mix uh, with dough, with rather with flour. Water represents feeling. 
flower represents the body. You remember the two, do, re, mi, mi, fa. Those two has to be put together in the right way. And this is energetic and psychological knowledge as well as metaphorical. Then you go to soul or la, uh, rather from fa to soul. And this is uh, a time where the the beginning of the creation of dough is put under a blanket or put under something. And uh, nurses coming in try to grab me. <laughs> and uh, it's a time of, 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 of quiet, of going inside. And now the leaven is working, the secret leaven, like the three measures, right? It's working, but secretly. And it comes to a new point. And this, this is exoteric knowledge and esoteric knowledge. Because if you don't do these steps right, the, the bread doesn't work. And in this next step is the fire. You bring it to the fire. And if you don't do that right, you burn the bread or you undercook it and it's crap. You can't use it. This is the, the creation, let's say, of the astral body. So then we have the potential for this to be finished. But something that's, again, not said in the work very much at all and not really found in Aspensky is Cedo Interval. What is that? They speak about it in the creation of the octave, the movement of energy, and then it's gone. And they talk about Mi-Fa and Sola intervals and how powerful they are. And then they leave out what is Cedo Interval? What's this final perfection that we're looking for and how to get to it? And how to get to it, strangely, is a psychological reversal that we might never have suspected. So the Gurdjieff work is unfolding. And this is just one aspect of that unfoldment uh, for us to try to really understand the whole process. Not that we can partake in the whole in the beginning, but we begin to see it uh, beginning, of course, in our personality and development of our personality. We begin to see that there's a real plan for us and we can take part in that plan or not. And uh, the Enneagram gives us this possibility. Great. Well, Alan, we've been going for about an hour and a half. I think that's wow. probably a pretty good place to end it. I mean, we've got much more stuff we can talk about, but um, maybe we can just put a rain check on on those other things and have you back on to, to talk some more in the near future. What do you think about that? I would love to do that. That would be great. It's wonderful to talk to you guys. And I would like to talk about the strange nature of the astral body and its psychological nature. So maybe that could be part of the next series. Okay. I think that's a great idea. All right. Gonna, thank you I'm so much. I'm going to make a note so I don't forget. All right. Well, thank, thank you, Alan. Thanks, Alan. And uh, 
take care, best wishes, best health, and uh, and we look forward to talking to you again. Okay. Me too. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye, Alan. Bye.